Okay, welcome back to another episode of Blockcast. I'm your host, Reggie, aka your chief financial coconut. And hi, I'm Mark, and I'm CEO and founder of Blockhead. Um, this is Timothy Mizier, managing editor at Blockhead. Mm-mm, okay, this week, this week a bit more exciting, right? Timothy, not so sian this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we actually have some uh, optimistic news for you guys. Yeah, yeah. New year, new me, new thing, right? It's a <laughs> new year, new rally. Yeah, yeah, new rally, new rally. So there's a, a lot of uh, interesting stuff going on, you know, and, and I mean, it's probably not just in the crypto spaces, across other markets also. But uh, yeah, some people say it's a new thing, right? So I wonder what we have in store today for our audience. But before that, before that, how, how has been your new year been? Like first week has been crazy for me. What, what about you guys? Uh, Yeah, it's been, I mean, busy, but good. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know what kind of details I should share, like, you know, there you can the, go uh, as far as you want. Uh, no, I think maybe we'll <laughs> save that for later in the show. You know, like uh, okay, okay. Uh, I, I will, I will give like a personal tidbit at the end of the show. Mm-hmm. Tim, how's your, how's your first? But week? let's just say that overall, it's been interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know already. <laughs> I want to no, know exactly. This is how you build hype. Okay, okay, okay. Right? Great, great, great. <laughs> like I've been yes, reading yes. up on how to, like, you know, like like build hype at the start of the podcast. How, how to do right? it? Right? How to do it? You know, okay, like, self dessert yeah, yeah. first. This is what they're trying amazing, to do. Amazing, amazing. You're learning the ropes here. Okay, yes, Tim. What about you? Not much going on. Uh, I guess we, we've relaunched our website with a new design and more content on the front page. So that's what we've been busy with. I think it looks good, but mm. that's just me. Nice, nice, nice. Uh, what about your personal life? <laughs> personal life. Because <laughs> you're the only one that didn't take a holiday, right? Everyone else went on a holiday. Yeah, and I'm not taking a holiday for Chinese New Year either. It's too expensive oh to go goodness. anywhere. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Okay, okay. This guy needs a pay raise. But yes, anyway, <laughs> times are hard, guys, right? So it is what it is. Yeah, okay. We have, uh, as usual, every week, we have three interesting stories for all of you trying to cover the big and small in the crypto space so that you become a little bit wiser as you move along with us, right? So uh, who's going to take the first story today? Uh, I'll talk about the first thing that's been going on. It's about the start of the new year and a new rally. Um, yeah, Be- <laughs> Bears were surprised. Uh, what do you fucking do? <laughs> with a certain in Bitcoin, Ether, and altcoin prices. So basically, Bitcoin returned to the 17,500 mark again for the first time in a month. Ethereum performed even better. You know, it's up like 17% compared to mid-December lows. And, you know, altcoins across the board saw similar or better gains. Like Solana up 120% like in the past two weeks. Similar pumps in Litecoin, Filecoin. Basically, like when you open coin market cap, everything is green. La. You feel mm. good, but um, <laughs> is there more to it? I guess that's what we're going to be discussing. <laughs> you feel good. Is there anything more that you feel good? How, how I mean, bad have you been feeling, Tim? I mean, you know, like market sentiment also affects like, you know, uh, our readership and just general mood in the crypto space. So, um, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But from a personal from a personal level, how do you feel when you see that that the the, the whole thing you know, is obviously green? obviously shook lah. I mean, like mm-hmm. you know, this is you know. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. I mean, like you know, when meme coins are pumping, it shows that DGENs still want to engage in high risk plays. So I mean, but you know, you know is it just me? I mean, I I personally feel that the 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 economic trend is very confusing. I I don't know what to make of it. You know, like, like we just seem to be flip-flopping between like, you know, oh, 70% chance of recession in 2023, right? And then like, you know, like I, I look at like, you know, the price of my freaking lattes and like Uniqlo t-shirts, you know, and they all have gone up by a bit, right? But at the same time also like, you know, I'm hearing news that, okay, inflation, like, you know, is getting, we're getting inflation under control right now and then blah, 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 right? So it's, it's just, you know, it's confusing for me. 
personally. Trust me, a lot of people are confused. It's not just you. Okay? Yeah. Like, I mean, I mean even, even the professionals, right? But you get your lattes from Mexi Coffee, yeah, so no, no choice. No, 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 right? no. I, I feel like... <laughs> it's more, right now, more expensive, honestly speaking, more expensive right? than other people. You, you guys need... So what I've been doing is that I have been doing like 7-Eleven like, uh, coffees, right? And uh, very, it's very interesting because you never really know what you're going to get. <laughs> You know, like on some days, like the coffee is really strong. On some days, it's just like, you know, like water. So yeah, I mean, yeah, it's two yeah, bucks, yeah, two yeah. bucks, guys. Two bucks. Okay. Okay. No maxi bar. Okay. But anyway, yeah. so I think, I think the idea here is um, there's a little bit of a rally. Yes. And it's not, uh, and it's also not just in the crypto space. There's been a rally in the stock market also, especially in the many things that have been sold down pretty massively. Right. So um, some people will call this a short squeeze, you know, where when the market is really, really down and then uh, you have certain opportunistic buyers that will come in and essentially scoop it up right so um, as to whether it can continue I think that's a question that everybody wants to have right and, and if I were to say that I have the answer then it's, it's kind of weird right uh, because it is definitely a lot more challenging la. but for the inflation question is it going to come down uh, it looks like it will taper Right, it looks like it will taper a little bit, right? Whether or not it will come back, whether prices will come back down, that is the highly, I don't, I really don't think so. Right? So um, it rarely happens when corporatists and merchants try to cut prices, right? So are we doomed yeah. to be paying like, you know, like $500 tickets to KL for now until, I don't know. No, is this it, is a CNY thing. You last minute yeah, buy okay. CNY, yeah, it's, it's a CNY thing. Yes, yes, yes. But I think broadly speaking, a lot of people have been saying like post-COVID prices, everything is up, right? And uh, if you ask me, I really don't think it will come back down or it will come back now significantly, you know, like pre-COVID or anything, right? But will it keep rising faster? That's the question, right? And I don't think so. Lah. So there's a little bit of tapering there, but for Bitcoin and Ether to kind of move up so much and I think more interestingly, some of these other altcoins moving up so much is like, really? Like what's going on? What are you guys thinking? I mean, you know, definitely everyone is questioning the sustainability of this bull run lah, because the broader trend still remains bearish. When is there ever a sustainable bull run in crypto? <laughs> Just, just questioning you guys, man. Like past few years, what's been happening? <laughs> I think this goes back to one of the points that I made, um, I think in the previous episode, right? About how we should really, you know, try and differentiate what, what has been happening with certain service providers, crypto funds, right? And then the bad actors that have been running these services versus Bitcoin as a digital asset class. You know, so the point I made previously was that I definitely don't think that cryptocurrencies are dead. I mean, like, you know, this is a very recurrent narrative every time we see a bust. You know, people come out, they wave the flag, cryptocurrencies are dead. Far from it, right? There's just too much money in the industry at the moment and there's a lot of dry powder on the side. I think the real question that like people should be asking themselves, right, is that you see these prices and you see these pumps right now, right? But who else is going to be buying at this point in time? Yeah, yeah, right? fair, fair. And, and, and what I mean by this is that I'm not just talking about the people, you know, like that you know, but like, you know, like just institutional buyers, right? Like who's putting money in there, you know? And from my understanding of the market, like, you know, if you look at your accredited investors, your family offices, right, there's still a lot of money on the sidelines and they are just waiting for the right time. Okay, fair. I mean, I, I was at I was at FSM one event the other day, and I, I was doing some street interviews. Uh, so you can check out our TikTok channel for that. I was doing some street interviews, and then there were so many people that are like crypto is dead, right? Like <laughs> something like that. So it's a thing. I I get it. Right? Multiple cams to to this, right? I think that there's quite a lot of education here to be done on certain levels, right? Because there is this right now on the, on a regulatory level. Are we looking at Bitcoin, right? So Bitcoin is clearly not a utility token, right? Uh, is it a security? Is it a commodity? I mean. Clearly, it's been defined as a commodity as of this point, I mean, which it is, right? But I think that that is one of like the bigger points to be made because when you look at the industry and then you, before you come to a conclusion that, okay, cryptocurrencies are dead, I think it's very important to kind of differentiate between what is essentially like, you know, like utility tokens, okay? Like your FTT or your, your BNB, right? Versus something like Bitcoin or ETH, 
mm. right? Which are essentially like the native tokens of blockchains and they're used, as, they're used as a medium of exchange on these blockchains. Yeah. Yeah, I actually want to ask, like, like, I mean, like Tim was saying, like, oh, DGENs are coming back into the space. Like, wow, that one very, very strong at the energy, right? So uh, what is the difference between a meme coin and a utility token then? Mm. Like, because in my head, right, if something, <laughs> if something, can, one, be, something can be built to have utility, but if nobody uses it, right, is it a meme? Um, I guess this is for a longer discussion on how to evaluate crypto projects. But I guess in, in brief, you would just classify meme coins as some uh, a token that inherently has no value. Um, its uh, price action is largely driven by uh, sentiment and hype. Um, mm. So they are usually short-lived with, uh, you know, buyers looking for quick exits after the, at the peak of the hype cycle. Like now? Um, <laughs> I, I would still think that we're... I mean, the current meme coin rally is still uh, fairly fresh. But, you know, we, we, we saw last week, you know, the launch of a Shiba Inu rival coin called Bonk, B-O-N-K. What the hell? Yeah. So what, can I can I ask why is Shiba Inu even even a coin? I mean, for Tim to say like there's a rival, right? That means that means Shiba Inu is a, essentially a meme coin, right? I mean, Shiba is a rival of Dogecoin, which by the way has a larger market cap than Coinbase itself. Exactly. Like what what is going on? Like I don't get it. Like today I don't get it. Before we get into like the differences yeah. between meme and utility, right? I think mm-hmm. that let, let's just you know like give the audience a, I think, very straightforward, like, you know, like definition of like where we usually see utility in this space. Okay. First of all, right. Utility is, is, it is objectively defined, but it's also broad enough such that it can be very subjective. You know, generally speaking, you see utility in like, I would say like five, four or five different areas, right? So there's voting rights, right? And then you have like, you know, like in GameFi companies, right? Where like, you know, like, um, you know, you can use these tokens as a medium of exchange, right? Um, some crypto exchanges, they use like the tokens to reward their users. So it's like a kind of like a perk or like a membership kind of thing. Okay. And there's also like, you know, like tipping that we've seen on some platform. And finally, like, you know, like there's also the payment of network fees, right? So these, I would say like the broad areas here, right? Um, now the, the issue is that like, you know, I think that the idea behind kind of like meme investing, right? It's what, what we're talking about here is just a broad trend or a way to kind of classify certain investing trends, you know, uh, as opposed to utility, like. Yeah, so it's, it's quite different. So like, you know, like you can have a meme coin without utility as well. Yeah. Mm, mm, mm. Okay, but then again, okay. so like the, the, the subjective part comes into the play, right? So like, you know, for example, if I, you know, get a few laughs out of investing in something that's really stupid and I'm part of this stupid community that like, you know, like, well, that's stupid. Like, okay, stupid is a very harsh kind of like, like way to kind of like characterize things. I love how you went on a big swing and then you come back and say, like, oh, yeah, actually not it's stupid. stupid. Like, it's not right? stupid. Okay, <laughs> but like, like, but, but essentially what I'm saying here is that like, if you define some gratification out of like being part of like a certain community, right? And then investing in this particular token gives you that kind of gratification, right? Mm. Then that's some sort of utility you derive of it. So this is this is where it gets very hairy. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I, I guess to your point, yeah. I mean, meme coins, they basically start off as, you know, um, based off internet jokes or or memes but the the issue with them being you know basically just uh based on on a joke um that they they also have very high or unlimited supply also they they have uh pretty much no value or use outside of the crypto world so i mean yeah no like like no one will accept like uh you know uh shiba or floki inu or whatever as, as a form of payment yeah yeah 
<laughs> but you know, the, the thing about investing in these things also is that like, mm. when you put your money behind something that you know fundamentally is a joke, right? You are also in a way voting, right? For the kind of a world that you want to see. So in a way, it's like kind of like, you know, like a way to make a point, right? Like, you know, like the fact that these things exist, right? Clearly means that like people see value in being part of a community like that, mm. you know? And like mm. that, that, therefore you can kind of make a case for there being utility in, in that very like gray area. Uh, whether whether it's objectively defined as utility or not, it's a different question. Yeah, mm. yeah and, and whether there's any investment potential as well. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Anyway, the Bonk coin, uh, it's on the Solana blockchain. So that was largely behind Solana's rally. Oh, really? Just because of Bonk? Uh, Yeah. I would say that. I mean, of course, Solana, like we talked about last week, also yeah, has I mean, a yeah. loyal developer community, anticipated yes, mobile yes. development, and they were massively sold down. So yeah. you can say that they they were in a they were in a short position. Yeah, yeah. But uh, various other factors also drive altcoin prices. So not just meme coins. Uh, I mean, we can talk mm. about jobs market data, uh, negative funding rates, so like short squeeze uh, driving prices, um, positive technical breakout. Uh, the altcoin market cap broke above the 50-day EMA. And then also, as just mentioned, positive sentiment spike, as you can see on social media circles. Yeah, bro, you're re- really sounding like an analyst I can find on like MSNBC I think one, one more or point now. to bring up here is that next year, it's going to be a Bitcoin halving year. Yeah, that was actually what I was about to ask. Like, like yeah. is it is how yeah. does that? Because from my understanding of this thing, it's like it's like halving is a big thing, you know. So it's like, uh, do you guys want to kind of expound on it? Like, what usually happens when Bitcoin halves, and like what happens before, and and like what does it mean, and all that. So basically, uh, th- this has to do with block rewards given to Bitcoin miners uh, for processing transactions on the blockchain. And every, I think, four years or so, it goes through a halving. So a block reward is like 625 uh, BTC. The, after the halving, it will be, you know, half of that. So like 312.5. It keeps on go, uh, keeps on halving, you know, to infinity. So this keeps the supply of Bitcoin scarce as time goes on, uh, which is inherent to Bitcoin's value, its scarcity. So, you know, I think there's so supposed to be 21 uh, million Bitcoin ever in circulation and the design of the block rewards and its halving you know it's been designed around that mm, nice nice and anyway that's not the only thing that halves okay many other things it's a half-life idea right so mm-hmm. you can go and check out some of the, the whole atomic physics uh, side of things okay we don't go there we don't go there we don't, don't, don't excessively elevate the discussion okay, but, yeah, but, but, uh, I guess since you brought up this halving I mean this is another Talking point I wanted to discuss, you know, uh, uh, you know how, how you see uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum, uh, you know, performing over the rest of the year uh, leading up to 2024. Because Ethereum right now has become the base layer of the, you know, of the largest uh, decentralized app ecosystem, and also has the best economics in crypto. Bitcoin bigger than Solana hand, at this point in time. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, Bitcoin, on the other hand, all it is, it sees itself as the what, reserve currency of crypto and has never really generated any meaningful transaction revenue relative to its security budget. So a heavily subsidized security with its block rewards. Um, I think 95% of Bitcoin miner rewards are from inflationary block rewards and only 5% of its revenue comes from transaction fees. So, I mean, lots of people say this is unsustainable and you know will weaken its likelihood of becoming a global reserve currency. The way I would kind of like characterize this, um, right, is that the thesis here for Bitcoin or the halving portion is that, you know, the whole reason why people look at it as like, you know, like a, a digital asset class to invest in is because of scarcity, right? We know that at the end of the day, there are only going to be that much Bitcoin in circulation, okay? Um, very, very simple, kind of like, you know, like like straightforward. Whereas Ethereum, right? No one, put it this way, no one's building on Bitcoin, you know? So like how the blockchain is going to eventually change the world, right? Would require the architecture and the tools, right? 
to build, right? And then Ethereum essentially would become that dominant platform already. I mean, it is the dominant platform. Um, if you ask me in 2023, there really doesn't seem to be much to be excited about in terms of that at the moment. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, like if there are interesting projects that come up, we would definitely be talking about them on the show, right? Um, but with Ethereum, we're really looking more like more towards a market recovery. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like, yeah, the whole Bitcoin thing. I understand the current consensus around this thing that people are holding on to it because, you know, it's 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 open, right? You can kind of see there's a lot of established tracking ecosystems. I mean, put it this way, like, we all believe in Tinkerbell, like, you know, I clap our hands, right? And she'll actually appear. Yeah, that's the... <laughs> I don't, I don't. I don't believe in Tinkerbell, okay? But anyway, so I think the idea is is there's consensus around this, you know, and uh, consensus can be very sticky. It's not as simple as a, as a big shift away. Um, yeah, so don't need to price too much in utility either, right? So it really depends on why why you're owning what, like why are you buying which, you know? And then from there, you know, we kind of learn as we go along to see how things develop. But, you know, um, although we say like these prices are back up and all that, uh, yeah, not everybody is as positive. Huh? So, so there are some big financial institutions that are still... You know, taking a different position, uh, like Stanchart predicts that Bitcoin will come down to five thousand, right? Uh, so oh yeah. yeah, I should caveat that you know, like when I we did start this um, episode by saying that we have optimistic news. It is all relative, right? We're just feeling more optimistic than last week. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, you know, like, this is not like, you know, like, we're not saying that, like, and by no means, you know, uh, this is not a general prediction of the market next year, okay? But at least are some glimmers of hope, right? So, like, there is that Bitcoin halving, number one, right? We have inflation supposedly tapering up. Fine. So, definitely feeling more optimistic than last week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's a very big caveat. I love it. Okay. So, yeah, uh, clearly not everyone is very positive. Uh, it remains to be seen. But yeah, I was I was pretty surprised because actually I don't really follow market prices very closely. I got a lot of things to do. So, when when I saw the, the recording notes, I was like, oh, there's a rise, increase. Oh, interesting. What's happening? So, yeah, thanks for the discussion, guys. Love it. Let's uh, go to story number two. Well, story number two is uh, just really a jumping off point from like, you know, like um, the recent rally that, you know, like we're seeing. So, you know, we're seeing renewed institutional interest in um, Bitcoin particularly, right? With BlackRock making Bitcoin ineligible investment in one of their funds. Yeah. Main takeaway here, right? Like is that crypto isn't dead. Okay. So like that, <laughs> that, that is like, you know, like my immediate reaction when I see something like this. I think that um, reason is very simple. When you have essentially the, the world's largest, like, you know, like investment firm um, making such an endorsement, right? of a digital asset like, you know, like Bitcoin, that provides, I guess, investors with some level of security, right? Insurance. It doesn't wash away, you know, like, or rather it doesn't, I think that, you know, like as an industry, there's still quite a lot for us to kind of like really get around, but it just signals that like, hey man, like, you know, like the grownups, the adults are kind of getting the space. And like, you know, the idea that like, you know, these firms are able to offer like, you know, like more insurance than your FTXs of the world, right? I think that gives some level of assurance. Mm-hmm. Okay, that and I'm here to challenge the notion, right? So it, essentially, when I saw when I saw these things, uh, BlackRock is is looking to approve Bitcoin futures within its uh, investment repertoire, right? So it, it can allow their own funds to kind of invest in in the futures market. But for clarity's sake, right, uh, that is the futures market, right? So and it's not about the coin itself, right? So they are not going to build up a position in the coins, at least not what I read here, right? They're really building up um, futures position, right? Or they're speculating in the futures market, right? So essentially they are making money from the movement of the market and also uh, being that kind of, volat- like making momentum swings and volatility trades within the space, right? So, um, but that being said, that being said, when you have big boys coming in like that, the, it does provide some level of liquidity because they essentially become part of the market makers, you know, with providing liquidity 
and holding the bags and everything, but they do not directly own it. And I think there's a world of difference with a huge with, difference. Uh, with yep. trading options and futures and actually owning and holding the bag, right? So the, the bottom line is you need a lot of people to come in and hold the bag for anything to move up in terms of prices, right? Uh, Singapore property, you want a lot, you want property prices to keep going up, you need more and more money coming in to hold, right? So it's not it's not just money coming in and out, in and out and like dishing through um, secondary markets or like derivatives, right? So this is the part that I just want to put it out there, you know, from a very thread five view, right? Like I caution everybody to be too optimistic about this whole idea there. Of course. And here's the thing, right? Like, you know, like nobody knows right now if any of today's digital assets, right, would mount to anything, you know, like more than just vehicles for, for speculation, for example, Right. But the fact is that, you know, these tokens of the future, they do represent economic value, right? So I, I think on this premise alone, right, it's worthwhile to create like, you know, a safe and secure setup for capital to flow towards them. I, I think that, that that is where, um, or rather like this is the optimistic portion of what, what I feel optimistic about, right? So, I mean, one example here is that there is a newly launched um, CSOP Bitcoin Futures ETF. And um, essentially what it will do is entrust customer, the custody of customer funds to HSBC, right? And so this obviously HSBC goes through regular bank examinations and audits. Right. So this already is a big layer of differentiation, you know, with what we saw before, where like we have exchanges essentially being the custodians as well. Yeah. But whether this actually like, you know, like uh, uh, digital assets actually amount to like, you know, something useful down the road. Right. I mean, like, I think nobody knows at this point in time, in my opinion. Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean I'm mean, i not disputing that. Right? And I don't think yeah. anybody and I, I would believe that people that tune in every week to the show, they definitely believe that there's value in the crypto space. Right. Like what, what is going to happen to the future? That is the discussion. Right. But there's an ongoing discussion. I'm just at this point in time, I just want all of us to, you know, not be too excited about this whole idea mm. that, oh, big boys are coming in mm. and, and all mm. that, you know. And because from how I observe it, they're really just participating in the flows, mm. right? Mm. And uh, participating in the flows is, of course, because there's a sufficient amount of money slushing around. There's a lot of people playing in this space. So for these guys to come in and be opportunistic and, you know, participate in the futures market, um, yeah, it's very, very understandable, right? That, that doesn't mean they endorse the space. That also doesn't mean that they are endorsing the currency itself. Like, they're not holding and building up a position. Well, Reggie, I mean, you're, you're right in saying that, but also, I mean, this institutional crypto narrative, you know, has played mm. a, a major role in every uh, crypto cycle, right? Mm. Like the cycle tops that we've seen in the past, they've always come with huge news from like the, you know, the legacy finance world, you know, such as uh, in, in the past, the launch of Bitcoin futures, Coinbase going public, Bitcoin futures ETF. Um, so, you know, now uh, BlackRock's latest move is just another variation of this narrative. And actually, um, uh, alongside uh, BlackRock's announcement was also Morgan Stanley, which this week uh, announced that it will be adding Bitcoin to the European fund through the purchase of Grayscale Bitcoin Trust. So according to filing, yeah, that, that fund may invest up to 25% of its total assets in a wholly owned subsidiary of the fund. So the, the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, you know, and it allows investors to get exposure to Bitcoin itself in the form of a security so they don't have to, uh, you know, go through the process of buying, storing and safekeeping it. The one thing I would just want to add on also to like, uh, I would say Reggie's point about like, you know, how this, you know, isn't uh, exactly like an endorsement from like, um, you know, the big boys in the space, right? I think that like, it, while it offers, offers some level of assurance, what really is, I guess, the important development that needs to happen here, right? It's really on the regulatory end. How do we kind of characterize crypto investments? You know, are they securities or not? And I think that this is something that the SEC in the US, you know, I mean, like they will have to figure this out because, you know, if these are going to be classified as securities, then, you know, all your different broker dealers, you know, you will have to kind of like by law segregate customer funds versus like um, their own. 
right? Because that, that, that's the exact issue that, you know, we're happening that, that we saw, you know, with this recent crash, right? All the funds were just commingled into one. And then like, you know, like when, when shit hits the fan, all of the customers, they were just like, they were lumped together with all the creditors, mm. you know, which, which is obviously, you know, we saw how that panned out, right? So I, I, I think that uh, while this offers some level, I mean, what I can, what I can say or like the, the conclusion that I, uh, I, I've come up with, you know, like with this recent, you know, the interest from BlackRock, right? Is that, yeah, it's definitely too early to say that crypto is dead. Whether it's going to be, you know, the, the asset class of the future or not, I mean, I, I'm not sure. Yeah, but I think what needs to happen next is really like more on the regulatory end of things. How do we classify these investments? Yeah, no, the thing here is, I just want to clarify like this grayscale Bitcoin trust was going through quite a lot of shit a few weeks ago, right? Just for just for clarity's sake, they were planning fire sale and they were they were they were doing things. I mean, one of its subsidiaries is DCG la. So that that's uh yeah who who we were discussing. The thing about where the laws and regulations were uh, targeted at with crypto previously, really right, was in regards to anti money money laundering, right. So people were more concerned with it, how it funds you know terrorism, you know like um drug trafficking, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But the focus really wasn't on customer protection or consumer protection. You know, so I I, I think that like. Um, with that renewed focus, hopefully, like, you know, we will see some positive changes on that front. Okay, okay. Interesting, interesting. So, yeah, I think, I think, I mean, I, I get what you guys are saying that there are big boys coming into the space. But yeah, like you said, like, this is a narrative that's been ongoing. Like, and I really don't think the big boys are friendly. Like. So I do think that there may be some, uh, it's, it's a voucher capital kind of situation. For sure, right? for sure. They come in, they want to buy up some things. Yeah. Uh, th- I mean, definitely. Like, I mean, this is all part of BlackRock's plan to dominate crypto, I guess. Like, I mean, Larry Fink was one of the uh, sector's harshest critics, you know. I mean, he just said that uh, demand for, for cryptos just shows, uh, reflects demand for money laundering globally. Uh, but, you know, since 2021, they've been slowly dipping their feet in the space, like in larger dips. Uh, they, they, they recently inked a partnership with Coinbase and then participated in a 400 million funding round for uh, Circle. Well, they started trading Bitcoin futures on CME in, in 2021. So I think this uh, change in view from, from Larry Fink is, is, is quite significant. Yeah, it is. I mean, it is significant. At the same time, it also pushes the fundamental question of decentralization. But we will not go there. Okay, no, no, <laughs> enough of philosophical talk. Okay, so, <laughs> so that is uh, the story number two uh, that we are seeing some renewed interest and participation. Uh, in again, space. we are more optimistic than last week. Mm-mm, yeah, it's, it's relative, relative, relative guys, guys. Relative. Yeah. So, uh, let me bring you the third story for today. Okay, the least positive of them all. Right? Essentially, the cryptocurrency exchange Coinbase is laying off twenty percent of its workforce, equating to roughly about nine hundred fifty employees. And the goal, of course, is to cut costs, lah, right? Amid continued turbulence in the cryptocurrency space, right? So this marks the third round of layoff, uh, bringing the total number to about 2,000 over people. And the company actually expects to cut operating costs by 25%, okay? As a result of all these different cuts. Uh. And the interesting part is the stock market actually rallied, right? So the share price came up with a gain of about 30 plus percent uh, to be at $43. Um, yeah, it's definitely one of the long, long time before this thing rallied, you know, but to be clear, to be clear, okay, when this shit got listed long, long time ago, it was about two years ago, a year plus ago, it was, it was trading at about $400, mm. right? So mm. this is 10%, uh, don't, don't, uh, don't blindly listen to the media and say, oh, it rise for well, well, you know, but <laughs> relative terms, it came down by 90%, right, since the start. Yeah, so um, is this an indicator of um, like actually fundamentally things are not as good or, you know, is there something to be said about cryptocurrency exchange? You know, um, any thoughts, guys? I mean, isn't this uh, just a normal part of uh, the, the growth cycle of companies? Uh, I mean, obviously, it's the right time to to also make some cuts, uh, but 
I think I think the Coinbase CEO um, did allude to this uh, in in his statements as well. But and they had expected to hire like another two thousand employees last year. Of course, the onset of crypto winter didn't help. But growing companies also uh, you know do these things from time to time, cutting unprofitable business lines and allocating resources where most needed. Uh. Mm, mm. I think it's just a function of like how, again, this is one of the, one of the things that I, I kind of like, I think mentioned a couple of episodes ago about how when we look at, say, like a, uh, an exchange, a crypto exchange business, right? Unless you're in the business of like printing your own tokens like FTX, you know, it just signals a shift to operating the business in a more, on a more fundamentally sound basis, right? Where, where you know, you're not going to see endless amounts of like venture capital coming in, or at least like, you know, it's a bad environment to be raising money. And at the same time, you know, they're listed. Right. So like what's going to be important to them, you know, it's ultimately turning a profit at some point. Right. So I, I think that this just simply marks a shift towards it's less about I mean, yes, you know, there is that there is that point to be made about how like it is a function of what's happening on, on a macro level. But I think that on a more uh, operational level, I think you're going to see like a focus, you know, like, you know, just business fundamentals. <laughs> if you weren't issuing your own token, you know, like if you weren't uh, involved in kind of like, say, you know, like, oh, you're funky, kind of like DeFi products. Right. And, and you were just in the business of operating exchange you know, um, and, and taking like a commission of those trades, right? So it's, so I think that this is what's going to happen at the end of the day, because, you know, in order to, su- to sustain a business model like that, yeah, you, you would have to be more mindful of your costs. It's, it's also not a crypto industry specific uh, exactly, issue that exactly. we're seeing right now. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was about to say, like, I was about to say, oh, now everybody care about business fundamentals. Wow. <laughs> wow. Amazing. Wow. Just uh, like what, 12 months ago, people like, yeah, to the moon, man. Everything's to the moon. No, no business fundamentals. Doesn't matter. It's about community, right? It's about, <laughs> <laughs> I cannot tahan this kind of rubbish. We should uh, actually do um, the hmm. next episode, we should do um, uh, a segment on DAOs. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, because I, think... I mean, like, it'd be quite interesting to revisit where, like, you know, like all that, all the, all the hype from the DAOs. Um, for yeah, the past couple of years sure, and, and, sure, and what's going to sure. happen. But anyway, uh, I digress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah digress, digress. Yeah, but yeah. but just just for clarity's sake, I think um, I do agree that it is indicative of a situation across uh, multiple tech sectors. It's not just it's not just in this space alone. I, um, I do feel for like you know like people who have made kind of like um, you know just full career pivots from yeah and then. Yeah, and then we've gone all in to like kind of like you no, know. No, DeFi. don't need to feel for those guys, bro. Like uh, the TradFi guys, they go back very quickly. Oh, fair enough. Uh. I have a f- yeah. I have a few yeah. friends and uh, yeah, one of my one of my previous hosts uh, also went into crypto and then not not governed by mm. regulation anymore. So he can kind of come on and talk. And then after that, he was like, okay, I'm done with this. I'm going back. Mm. Right. And then mm. and then now he cannot talk anymore. Right. So <laughs> everything everything is uh is is sealed up. So yeah, Mark, you you don't need to feel bad. They they they're compensated adequately for what they yeah, do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I don't, I don't, I don't feel the need to feel bad about this. Right? I think for for it's more important we contextualize for our listeners, right? People that are trying to learn about the space and think about how, whether how they should allocate money. Um, the the idea here is, it, when I when I saw this story, I was like, okay, that's good. That means uh, there's still some people talking about like, okay, the industry is still uncertain. It, it's not like pure positive kind of kind of news cycle that will kind of rally along, you know. And and more importantly, I think. What is what when when Tim told me we want to talk about this story, I was like, oh, this is interesting because this guy Brian, which is a CEO of uh, Coinbase, ten ten months ago was saying that uh, we're gonna hire, right? And shows how little optics this guy has, right? In other words, right, if if this guy is already at the top, uh, one of the biggest guys in the space, uh, and he cannot predict what's happening in ten months, what makes you so sure you can predict what's gonna happen in ten months? How how do you personally find Coinbase as a stock? Uh, firstly, I do not invest in IPOs. I hate IPOs. 
Yeah, because uh, there's a lot. Firstly, there's a lot of uh, financial engineering that goes into all the IPO kind of presentation, right? Because they, they want to sell it. Right? Essentially, it's an exit. Right? It's, either, it's either a big fundraise or an exit, right? So um, I, I don't I don't like it when when that happens, right? So and I also don't know how the investors will react and how the management will handle a public investment base. How How about now? I mean, like going forward with Coinbase at this price. I mean, obviously, we don't we don't getting getting into a recommendation territory, love, you know. But yeah, yeah. I mean, the FCF doesn't look very good. You know? So, um, I mean, I was uh, if if it's a thing that you guys really want to know, I can do some study and come back to you with a clearer. No, idea. I'm just I'm just just kind yeah. of a cu- uh, curious Gener- because I mean, I, yeah. I have been thinking about it. Um, mm-hmm. like you know, like when when I first, I mean, I don't I don't have, I don't hold any Coinbase. But stock it runs up, counter but, to your idea, right? You said that exchanges are gonna die. No, I didn't say that. I I, I just you said I that just, DeFi is the no. future, right? Exchanges are exchanges are. Thing of the past, DeFi is no, the future. I, 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 what I said was that, like you know, I questioned the 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 business model of crypto exchanges, where essentially, you know, like how many of these digital assets are actually being traded in volume. And so, by extension, then you will question the fundamental business model of of Coinbase, right? Because if you ask me, do I like brokers? I hate brokers because brokers is a is a competition to the to the bottom. Right. Who is cheaper? Who is cheaper? Who is cheaper? Who is cheaper, cheaper right? right? But at the same time, that- also, I I think that you know, like there, there there is the argument for like you know, like for consolidation. That there might not be a thousand exchanges in the world, but like you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. So There's a lot of consolidation, right? Eventually, yeah. eventually, you see Japan only has one exchange, right? Mm, the, exactly. The Tokyo, yeah. Tokyo exchange merged with Osaka exchange. Yeah. You know, you, you see, yeah. Even they wanted the Hong Kong. I think the Hong Kong exchange wanted to be sold to the London exchange or mm. something, right? So, uh, exchanges are, are essentially there will be consolidation and the margins will become very thin, mm. right? Then if if you think about it, you contextualize to someone that is even exploring crypto to begin with. Right, like, do you really want to do this kind of like investments? I mean, a lot like it's rarely, um, you know, in the past, the growth in Coinbase stock was uh, because a lot of people saw it as like a way to get exposed to the crypto industry or sector without directly investing in in tokens, which are a lot more volatile. I guess there was a flawed thesis to begin with. Like, yeah, of course. I, so, yeah. I, I mean, but no, as in, uh, from my view, obviously, my, my perspective, you know, people might kind of like feel differently. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I so I think that's the that's the idea here, right? When you when you want to look at it, um, I mean, it's the same idea with with like gold and gold futures and like gold gold mining companies, right? They they sound the same, but they're totally not the same. Same with REITs and property. I, I cannot right? in good they, conscience recommend goals and investment to anybody. It hasn't done shit for me. No, nah, anyway. it's okay. It's okay. It's fine. It's, you, it, I'm not I'm not trusting you on any investment advice anyway. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> Just for clarity's sake, I think what I wanted to highlight is that, you know, um, some things may sound the same, but they're fundamentally different. Like where you're looking at Coinbase as an investment, you're looking at the business model itself, right? Like how are they, how are they, um, what's their churn rate with their customers? You know, are their customers transacting more? Are they growing their customer base? You know, um, are they able to to charge higher costs for new products or new things that they're going to do. And if not, uh, there, is their competition coming much faster and just kind of like combing them up, right? And uh, in, in the business of exchanges, it is a very clear race to the bottom, right? So most of them will end up growing laterally. Like you see like IFAS, FSM1, mm. you know, they, they do bonds, you know, they, they do financial advisory. They grow laterally because they all know that one way down is dead. Right, like um, yeah, Mumu, you know all these all these brokers out there. They all who is cheaper? Who is cheaper? Mumu and then was eventually, giving out like free Apple shares, you know, and sign up. 
Yeah, pre- I'm not sure if it's they're still doing now, but previously they were, I think. Right. Yeah. So okay, since we since we put their name, then we must say everybody else's name, right? Like Tiger, you know, yeah. like Weebu, you know, like uh, so 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 then they do not say I bias to anybody, you know, uh, like whatever lah. So all these brokers eventually, the business is a race to bottom. Nobody is really sticky to your platform. So do you really want what's so different about crypto? I will even argue that the crypto people are even more picky about this thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, so mm-hmm. so uh, yeah, the coin Coinbase as a business doesn't sound like a great business to be in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, if you believe in the whole DeFi thing, then fundamentally you shouldn't be owning exchanges, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so so I, I I don't see any interesting thing uh to be said about it. But I think I I wanted to bring up the story on a big part of like if some guy at the top cannot even tell you what's going to happen to the future, then why you listen to us every week? <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Good one. Great, good one. Great, great style, I, I think you were, you were really building up to that point. Nice one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lovely, yeah. right? Lovely. Yeah, I'm a professional at this, guys. So, yeah, any um, any last things you want to add for our audience today? Uh, Mark had uh, something that he teased us about at the start. So. Oh, I mean, oh, yeah. this, is gonna, this is gonna be a huge, dig- a huge digression, though. You sure you want to be kind of like? Yeah, please, please. You always okay, digress fine, one. Right. I try very hard to pull you in. So okay. That- well, uh, you know, I I I recently did my you know like whole like uh, you know that whole circle DNA thing, and then like you know I, I kind of uh uh uh, uh you found out that my, you're my ancestry, you know. So oh. appa- apparently, right, I have like zero point zero five percent African American blood in me somewhere. So somewhere along the line, right, someone in my family hooked up with like you know an African dude or lady. <laughs> Which is actually really interesting, but anyway, like that—that that, you, you guys can kind of make up it work. I mean, you guys should get it done. You never know what you might find. Right? No, we're not—we're not a sponsor. Wait, they sponsor us, we'll, we'll push for them. But no, no, no. Yeah, it's, but it's, I mean, it's just interesting, so, Oh like, my yeah, goodness! That—that—that that, that, okay. that, that, that was what was uh, I was you know thinking about like the first couple of weeks this year. It's like, man, like why? Question, why? The question of like where you come from. Okay, you know. okay, <laughs> okay, okay. Just for clarity's sake, everybody began as African, right? If you believe in evolution theory. No, no, exactly. So, no, yeah, that, that, so. That, exact, that was exactly what I kind of like, you know, that must be why. Because, mm. you know, like that, that was where like, you know, like the first people actually came from, mm. you know, but yeah, maybe they just have it as like, you know, like everybody who goes through this freaking thing gets like, you know, that 0.05% African-American thing. Maybe I'm not special. I don't, yeah, maybe you're not special. Yeah. And then there's like some, there's some there's some Mongolian blood in there as well, but like that makes a lot of sense. I mean, like Genghis Khan also did have like 11 million descendants, you know? Yeah, so yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Sometimes when I feel like despotic or power mad, you know, I, I I know where that comes from. Yes, yes. Just for clarity's sake, the Mongolians <laughs> are the only one that have that have actually, you know, went around and uh, conquered a very big swath of land across multiple cultures and and you know, like exactly. uh, like I said, you know, this is a huge digression. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, yeah, like, you yeah. know, uh, okay, <laughs> very big digression. But I, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. Yeah. So that's it. Any any last things from you, Tim? Uh, I can't beat that. So yeah, yeah. okay. So yeah, I'll, I'll think, do a test think, next week. Yeah, my <laughs> life, my life is yeah. my life is not as interesting, man. Like I just had recordings after recordings, and then this guy do like circles tests and tell us he got <laughs> African blood. It's like okay, yeah. So thank you, thank you all. Imagine you know. if I say I had let the, I opened the podcast of that when you asked me about like you know how's my week, dude. I would like, have ended the, I would have ended the podcast <laughs> there. I would have just ended it there. Why, why are we doing this? Like, why are we wasting our listeners' time? <laughs> Luckily, you put it at the end. Okay. Right? So, great, great. Good stuff. So, yeah. Thank you all for tuning in. I hope you learned something useful and uh, we'll continue to cover. Hopefully, you know, uh, Timothy continues to feel more and more positive about this space. You know, every week as we go along. I feel you're happier today. Legit. 
<laughs> you know, like for the past eight episodes, it just like got worse and worse and worse. Today feels a bit more interesting. So yeah, uh, yeah, if you have any questions, any particular thing that you would love us to cover, I think we're also trying to do more like deep dives into like industry projects and you know, just kind of have more specific discussions rather than always chasing new cycles. So if you have any particular thing you want us to discuss, you want us to talk about, you know, you can come to our Telegram group. Uh, yeah, we're going to set up Reddit, right? We say many times we're going to set up Reddit. All right, and then um, yeah, check out Blockhead. So see ya all next week. Bye, guys. All right, see you guys. Ciao. All right. Hey, coconuts. So yes, uh, I hope you enjoy this new show that we're building together with the team at Blockhead. And uh, the goal is very clear, right? We're not here to shield any token or be a cheerleader for any project. But we feel that there's a lot of development that's going on in this space that we could cover and continue to be a little bit smarter um, as investors. I mean, eventually you tune in every week to a financial podcast network so that you can be smarter with your investments. And if it so happened, this is something that you're looking at, the crypto space, Web3, Metaverse, all these kind of stuff. Then that is where we're trying to cover but not from the angle of like this is good that is bad but really trying to see it from like what is happening how is it developing and I hope you find this useful and interesting right? so if you want to continue to get more coverage around the crypto space check out blockhead.co and then we will see you next week <laughs>